Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello, everybody. You are at Rates and Barrels. Welcome to the show. It is Friday, May 26th. I am Al Melker. I am here with Eno Saris, uh, DVR, out today, but uh, he will be back next week. And uh, we've got an action-packed show, you know, so uh, I know people are looking forward to getting on with their uh, Memorial Day weekends. Uh, we will get you to that as soon as possible, but we got a lot of news and uh, a lot of interesting stuff to get to. So let's start, you know, with uh, the big item from this week, Bobby Miller. Uh, <laughs> He's a, he debut. is a big item. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could I, be I his nickname. <laughs> What's that? That could be his nickname. But yeah, the big not, not the big unit, but the, the big item yeah. <laughs> making his debut against Atlanta. Six, five to 20. But I want to, you know, we talked about this a little bit offline be- before uh, hitting record, you know, uh, something that was a little bit puzzling to me. Uh, so a great overall result. And of course, you know, throwing 99, 100 uh, against Atlanta, but not very many swings and misses replicating a pattern that he had at AAA Oklahoma City this year. So I know you looked into it a little bit, but uh, is that anything that we should be concerned about at all? Or is that just nitpicking? There's this, uh, there's a, an interesting thing going on where you look at his four seam change and slider whiff rates and they look fine. Now they don't look outstanding, which is a little surprising given the stuff rating on the pitches and just what it looks like when you're watching him. He's throwing a hundred, you know, uh, but you know he has a slightly above average whiff rates on his four seam, uh, averageish on the changeup, around average on the slider. He gets no whiffs on the curveball, and he gets no swings on the curveball. The swings, your curveballs usually get fewer swings than other pitches, but he gets 22% swings so far on his curveball. But what I'm looking at, and that's all competition level, so I think that has some spring in it. In any case, uh, the average curveball still gets like 35% swing. So nobody's swinging at the curveball, and when they swing, they're not missing, and it's the pitch that's getting hit. And if you look over at Stuff Plus, it's his worst pitch. So, uh, you know, the curveball must have some function in his arsenal, um, you know, that he, he the reason he goes to it. Um, but it is possible that he slims his repertoire down, has the two fastballs, the slider and the change, and becomes more occasional with the curveball. And if he does that, uh, it may be good for him. I also think that there's generally a slight whiff of bad command around him. Mm-hmm. Um, he did give up some hard hit balls. Uh, the location plus was not bad, uh, on it, but, um, you know, it's one start of that. And he, there is the fact that he did give up some hard hit balls, um, and that he's had some iffy ish walk rates in the minors. So I think this is a high stuff, medium command, uh, kind of guy. I'm still all in on him. 
All right. Is he, I mean, he's not available in too many places at this point, but maybe some 12 teamers, especially leagues that have weekly fab where maybe he wasn't picked up last yeah, week. Yeah, weekly fab. I mean, he just debuted this week. So a lot, I think mostly weekly fabs is where he's available. And I, yeah. I, you know, I don't know how many more, you know, really exciting stuff candidates that are left in the minors. You know what I mean? Um, and so as the supply runs out, uh, there's the scarcity goes up and, you know, he may, I think he is worth a substantial bid. Okay. Well, I, I put a number to that in the column. I I feel like I need to do that every week. So the number I put put to it for, for 15 team leagues was 18 to 20%. So I think it's worth, I think he's worth it. Yeah. Even with our, our dwindling budgets. Uh, well, there's a number of other developments uh, that and occurred. And you mean in the past. 18 to 20% overall, right? <laughs> Not what you have left. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Very good Some to people to, have. Uh, like yeah, because if you do what you have left, especially if you've got a budget like mine, uh, it's not going to do the trick. <laughs> right. Total fab budget that you had at the beginning. Uh, right. So I, I do want to get to some other uh, developments from the past few days. Uh, we have an update on Eloy Jimenez. Uh, of course, he's uh, on the IL, had an appendectomy. But um, the, the update there is that uh, within the last few days, started a rehab assignment with AA Birmingham and uh, going to play a couple more games. Uh, and then he'll get evaluated over the weekend. So I don't think the return for Jimenez is imminent. But, uh, you know, is it is it time to start thinking about the domino effect here and maybe uh, or very specifically what happens with Jake Berger when Jimenez returns? Yeah, I mean, I like him and he hits the ball hard, but he does not have offer positional versatility. (laughs) Um, You know, the best defensive team does not include Eloy in the outfield or Jake Berger in the outfield. I mean, I'm not saying anything crazy here, am I? No, I don't. I don't think you are. Yeah, so I do think uh, it impacts him. Um, I don't think they really want to play Eloy in the outfield. But, um, you know, there is some, there's just a risk there with Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger that one of them just gets sent down. And is it worth even speculating on that at this point? Or you think we have enough time to just see how it plays out? <clears throat> In terms of getting ahead of it and dropping Berger now or something? Yeah. You know, if somebody needs a roster spot or, or maybe, I mean, Berger is still... He's been added a lot, but he's still out there. So, I mean, is this a window maybe to get him still, or, or is it not worth it at this point? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's worth picking up now with the good news from Eli, no. All right. Uh, but if you've got him, uh, I think I would treat him as a streamer bat in this situation. Well, that's uh, fair enough. And uh, just something I think we should, you know, watch over the next few days, see what that timetable is for Jimenez. Because if it is a short timetable, then maybe we do have some roster decisions uh, to make. So some other developments. Royce Lewis probably going to be back quite a bit before uh, Jimenez. Uh, Of course, he tore his ACL roughly a year ago, the second time that he did that in two seasons. He is eligible to return from the 60-day IL this Monday. I've seen some reports that it's possible he could be back that soon. I think maybe we could at least expect he'd be back sometime in the coming week. So we've talked about Lewis before on the show, you know, but it's always been like, well, you know, maybe you pick him up now, but you've got some time. Uh, but I think time is kind of running out on Royce Lewis. So where should we think about adding him? 
I think you should think about adding him uh, in most places. Um, I think he's going to take the uh, regular third base job uh, from Kyle Farmer. Um, You know, I know Carlos Correa is hurt, so maybe Lewis is going to play some short and Farmer plays third. But when everybody's healthy, I expect uh, it to mostly be Lewis and Correa on the left-hand side of that infield. The weird thing for me is um, I've seen this with some guys like uh, Josh Jung. Um, You know, sometimes you see an injury manifest in the swing and miss in a weird way that you didn't expect. You might expect... Uh, an ACL injury to affect Lewis with stolen bases or, mm-hmm. or something like that. But um, since he's come back this year, he's swinging and missing at a rate that I've never seen before. And I know it's 32 plate appearances, but the whiff rate is built on pitches, you know. And so he's in 32 plate appearances, you'd expect him to have seen, you know, 120 pitches. Yep. And he's whiffing at like an 18% rate. And his highest before that was 12.5. So there's something going on with the whiff rate there. Uh, you know, to expect him to be fully healthy when he first comes back is a lot. So I think um, I might revise downward the projected batting average and revise upward the projected strikeout rate a little bit. Consider him likely to strike out 25, 26% of the time at least. Um, and hit more like 240. I also think it's a lot to expect him to steal like 10 more bags the rest of the way uh, coming off a second ACL. So, um, you know, I I would say like full season true talent, I'd expect something like 240, uh, 15, and 5 from Royce Lewis. I think that feels a little tepid, but... Yeah, well, but for for a reason, right? Yeah, I mean, like the, all the whiffs in the minor leagues, second ACL, it's a big deal. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, what I, I would translate from that is, I do think he's somebody that you should target in fifteen teams this week. But I think going shallower than that, I think I think we can afford to wait and see see what the results are early on. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, yeah. Though I'm thinking of like in a couple places, I've got. Um, Oh my gosh, on the rundown, it's been uh, it's been, yeah I noticed <laughs> it's been copying down everything I've said. If Stop you want a transcript it. of this show, uh. okay, I need to turn this off. I'm going without the rundown. <laughs> I hope it's not still doing it. Um, any case, uh, sorry, what was I saying? Um, what were you talking about? Oh no, we were just yeah talking about where to add Lewis and uh, oh and, you know, yeah, it did I mean, I'm thinking in my main like. In my main, I've got Ryan McMahon, and I, I've been looking for like a, a third baseman that um, can play when McMahon's on the road. You know, benchish, benchish, fifteen team. You know, definitely worth a, a bigish bid in an AL only if somebody forgot about him. Yeah, oh, absolutely, no, no question about that. Uh, well, just a, a quick hit here on situation in Arizona. Dominic Fletcher down, which I found a what? little bit surprising because, uh, or maybe surprising, not the right word, but maybe unfortunate because he was... my surprise voice. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, definitely unfortunate from a fantasy perspective because he was just on most added lists, but he's back down in AAA, Jack, Jake McCarthy back up. So do we They're do a hold with Fletcher chairs. and should we expect better from McCarthy this time around? What did he do in the minor leagues that was different? Jake McCarthy 
walked more and struck out less. I mean, he did go down and was 32% better than league average in AAA. So I don't know what they told him to do when they when he went down, but he did, you know, hit a ball harder than he hit in the major leagues. He whiffed uh, less and he and he walked more. Uh, I suppose, um, you know, I think one thing that's missing from Fletcher's line and uh, something that you kind of have to remember, you know, when you think of the Fletcher brothers is, um, you know, I'm not sure I believe in the in the sort of league average power that Fletcher was showing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, they might look at projections that say that, you know, Fletcher is going to be 10 plus percent more uh, the 10 percent. less than league average you know he's going to be like 87 wrc top player yeah um and uh i think jake mccarthy uh even with his flaws is uh projected to be more like a league average type player so i guess they're looking for some power infusion uh from mccarthy and um i think this makes mccarthy a good pickup but you have to remember uh that um They've they have Alec Thomas in the minor leagues. So what happens if Alec Thomas goes down and does the Jake McCarthy? Right. And Jake McCarthy struggles in the big leagues. Do they now bring up Alec Thomas? Is this like a is this like a carousel now or, or you know? So I I pr- pledge some caution, but uh, if you need stolen bases, Jake McCarthy is worth some money. Oh yeah, absolutely. A, a lot of us uh, went that route back in back in March. Uh, so uh, hopefully uh, those of us who drafted him held on to him because uh, maybe there's more steals to come soon. Uh, let's pivot to uh, some pitchers and a couple of pitchers who made their season debuts. Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs. Uh, not a great outing uh, for his debut, but not terrible. Julio Tehran, at least on the surface, a really nice outing uh, against the Giants, did wind up taking the loss in that one. Uh, but... Anything there in Hendricks or Tehran uh, in terms of fantasy interest? No. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. No, no, I just, I mean, it's a tough park. I know he did well, uh, but, you know, it's funny when I, I, I looked at, and it's interesting to me that his uh, fastballs, uh, you know, registered as above average by Stuff Plus. Uh, that's surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I looked at one point at, at um, pitchers who pitched the most like, uh, the pitchers that pitch the most like they used to, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Julio Terran is a throwback in that way. Like, for example, like the rest of the league has stopped throwing fastballs and Julio Terran is out here still throwing 60% fastballs. You know, even when he comes in at 89.5 miles an hour this year, he threw 66% fastballs. Like there's nobody else in the big leagues doing that. Um, And in terms of velocity, it's the throwback velocity. So uh, maybe it'll work for a little bit because uh, people are like, what is this? Uh, But I don't think it'll work for long. The projections are awful. Uh, The stuff plus other than the fastball quirk doesn't really uh, speak to me. And the team situation is rough. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure when Eric Glauer is coming back. I mean, they've got several rotation injuries. I think Glauer may be the next back. And uh, then obviously uh, either Tehran or, or Ray would, would have to go at that point, unless they went with the six-man rotation. But just one last note on Tehran. I, I noted that he, you know, you mentioned the, the fastball usage 
probably a good reason for that because Slider uh, clocked in at minus 29 on Stuff Plus. Is that a record in, in a bad way? And that... <laughs> I mean, it's so bad that you might that it makes you think. Well, what if there's something good about it? <laughs> like it is one of the lowest numbers I've ever seen. I I need to look at it now. Why does it Why does it hate it so much? The slider uh, is 83, so that's bad, uh, and it uh, does not have sort of power curve ish drop. It has um, average drop for a slider, so it's kind of average across the board with no horizontal movement. So it's like an 83 mile an hour gyro slider. Uh, you know, to compare to other gyro sliders, the good gyro sliders are at 89 to 91. You know, so it's like a slow gyro slider. I can All see right, this well, being a bad not, pitch. Not what you want. Got the good results in spite of it. Uh, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll move on to a few other pitchers. I think you'll have uh, more interest in at least one of these pitchers. Garrett Whitlock is expected to return to the Red Sox rotation on Saturday at Arizona. Paul Blackburn uh, expected to return to the Athletics rotation sometime next week, possibly maybe getting his two-start week. And the Yankees calling up Randy Vasquez to make his Major League debut on Friday night against the Padres. Uh, however, I did see, I believe it was on MLB.com, you know that Vasquez just may be used as an opener. So I, I don't think there's much long-term interest there. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but anything here notable? Well, uh, to me, the fact that Randy Vasquez is uh, needed uh, is notable in that um, there is a guy, Will Warren, that I am more interested in uh, in AAA. Um, and so uh, if Will Warren, if Randy Vasquez is already being called up and being used, that means Will Warren might be next. So mm. <laughs> it's, uh, that's not much praise for, for Vasquez, but, uh, you know, uh, it does mean that the coffers are getting a little bare in New York. And so we'll warn maybe next. I'm uh, not really that in on Vasquez. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, well, let's uh, get to some hitting developments then. And um, this, there's one player here. I want to start with a couple of players uh, that are in sort of similar situations, but one that uh, I got a question about on Twitter to do a deep dive. So I guess we'll do our best here. Zach McKinstry getting very regular play with the Tigers, uh, hitting leadoff, um, definitely in the, the fat side of a platoon. Pretty much the same situation for, for Mickey Moniak with the Angels. Uh, do you have a, I understand that, you know, Moniak is outfield only. McKinstry is multi-position eligible. I believe it's second, third outfielder. Um, but a preference for one over the other. Um, 
What what do you think the 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 depth chart in Anaheim looks like when the Angels are fully healthy? Well, I mean, I do question just to to even get to the simplest aspect of this that maybe Taylor Ward comes back because I in a more regular role because I just worry about all the strikeouts for Moniak and he's hitting with power yeah. so far, but he's not hitting the ball hard. So I just think that. The, the skills and the surface stats at some point are going to be more in sync and Taylor Ward might get another shot to, you know, to write the ship so. for himself. I, I think that when everybody's healthy and they're, and they're, and the best lineup is Ward, Trout, Renfro. Um, and so that's uh, what bothers me about uh, Moniac plus the strikeouts. Uh, and then in, uh, in Detroit, I think, you know, uh, Nick Maton uh, was, uh, Slightly useful, but um, just proved to strike out too much. And, uh, you know, so I wonder if he's, uh, you know, he's kind of losing his uh, grip on any sort of regular playing time. And if that's the case, uh, then um, I think there's an opening there for uh, McKinstry to maybe even become the everyday third baseman. You know what I mean? There's uh, just, got, he, it's a bad team, so there's just more likely that Zach McKinstry can find his way to full-time play, I think. You know, the, their situation is interesting, though, because they're edging up on 500. They're in second place. It's a bad division. And McKinstry's got as good of a... I shouldn't say as good of a skill set. I mean, I don't think he's got as good of a skill set as Riley Green, for example, but he's got a good skill set. And uh, I, yeah, I think he should be in that much. lineup he walks, a lot. He hits the ball a little, little bit, the power runs. Yeah, he's like kind of a Joey Wendell-esque where it's just like everything's a little bit above average or average. All right. Well, uh, unfortunately, I didn't note who asked the Twitter question, but if you are watching or listening, uh, you've, you've got a comp there. So I think that that helps us put some some teeth into uh, what to expect yeah, I mean, from Zach yeah, There might be some long-term guys in the organization that if they were really, really bad, they might be looking at over McKinstry because McKinstry's 28 years old. And, um, and, and so, you know, they might have younger guys they like better. So, but I think that you're right. If they're trying to, I think that, their their coaches their managers talked about like hey we need to like you need to play well you need we need to play win you know like we need like we're gonna put the best players on the field um like they're trying to get out of the rebuild place so McKinstry's totally the type of player that kind of takes over uh uh, uh, from like uh, flotsam and jetsam crew so i I think he's actually i don't know if he's interesting in 12 teamers because he's more like a sort of 15 15 guy maybe full full season um but everything else he is yeah, that sounds about right to me. So, uh, yeah, interesting player who's uh, still out there. Maybe some 15-teamers, uh, maybe go a little shallower even on, on McKinstry. Now, player that you specified that you wanted to talk about, interesting player, Rugnet Odor, had a very big game against the Nationals on Thursday, but maybe we've got Manny Machado coming back. Maybe we've got Hassan Kim maybe being out for a while after falling a ball off of his knee. Uh, how do you see this all shaking out for Odor? Yeah, uh, you know, the funny thing about Odor, dude, is that, like, I tweeted that I don't understand him, and um, I feel like I I could look at his line right now, right, and be like, oh, dude, his strikeout rate's one of the best it's ever been. His walk rate's one of the best it's ever been. Oh, look at it. He's got that barrel rate. He's always got that barrel rate. Oh, he's got an opportunity on this team. They need him. He just had this, this big hit. Like, but I have to zoom out for a second, because... 
I've played this game with Odor like in both in both directions so many times. I've 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 fallen in and out of love with Renetta Dor. Like I don't I don't know if there's any other player that I've done this more with. Where you know he goes thirty and fifteen, and I say, oh, but he had negative WAR. I'm out, right? And then the next year, uh, he cuts his strikeout rate, and he goes 250 with 18 and 12. And I'm like, well, he cut his strikeout rate. I think I might be back in. And then I, I buy in, and he gets I get the 30 homers, but a 205 average. And then I'm like, well, I'm out. I can't take that average. And then it, then i like, well, the next year, well, it looks like I'm right. He was a below he below replacement player for Texas in his last year. See, I was right. you know. And then he has these little like ticklings of like he gets picked up by, play, by teams, and he gets played, and he does have power. And he does have certain skills, but I don't, I just want to zoom out and be like, no, dude, you've played this game before. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know how it ends. It ends with like a, a 200 average, some power, some speed and, uh, and, and tears. So I'll, I'll flip this. <laughs> right. That's always the end point. It seems. Yeah. With Odor. But I want to flip this around. Cause you were talking about the, with the angel situation, when everybody's healthy, you know, what happens to, to Moniac. So when everybody's healthy for the Padres, yeah. Is there a spot for Odor? Is this, you know, I mean, is he just a, like a one week play for next week or is there something more? There? I think he's a decent one week play because Haseon Kim like did escaped, uh, you know, like real, uh, real, uh, I, I guess a, a broken knee at least, <laughs> you know. Uh, but it looked bad, and he couldn't put weight on it. So I expect him to miss some time. Um, and uh, if he misses time, I don't think Brandon Dixon is very good. And Brandon Dixon's already sort of pressed into service because Manny Machado's hurt. So I think Odor is a full time player next week. All right, well, there you go. Um, so uh, looking at. Uh, just a few other players who are picking up some playing time. Jose Caballero. Uh, I'm not sure if he's taken over second base for the Mariners because they've just seen a whole bunch of lefties lately. So we've got an opportunity this weekend with three right-handed starters for the Pirates to see if he keeps playing. Assuming Caballero, I mean, if, if Caballero sits two of those games, I, I think there's not much reason to be interested. But if he starts two or three, uh, where should we be looking to add him? I think he's AL only. Um, he just doesn't hit the ball hard. I know he's got some interesting slugging numbers, but if you kind of look closely, all the interesting slugging numbers come in the smaller uh, sample sizes. Mm -hmm. So if you just sort of scan the minor leagues, you're like, oh, 320 ISO. Yeah, yeah. And 29 plate appearances at the, at the complex. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, every time he's crossed over 200 ISO, it's been a tiny sample in the minor leagues. So um, I think he's true talent, like a, a 120 ISO guy with like a you know 21 percent strikeout rate with some walks. Like it's just a a little bit too Abraham Toro esque, you know, where it's like oh the plate skills are good, but he just doesn't hit the ball hard, you know. So I don't I think that a player like that even struggles to hit for good uh, batting average after a while. Um, if you just think about the mechanics of like hitting a ball hard on the ground, like it's still better to hit the ball hard on the ground than it is to hit the ball softly on the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. Like it, it's still useful to hit the ball hard. And I don't, I don't see him doing that very much, but the flip side is I'm worried about Colton Wong. Uh, you know, one of the things that happens in Seattle is it kills hits and it kills hits almost on uh, a legendary level. Like I, I think when I look at the three-year park factors at Statcast, um, they've got it killing hits more than any other park in baseball. 
Wow. You know, other some other colder parks kill homers. You know, like 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 San Francisco is still one of the worst places for offense because of it's cold and you know because of triples alley and stuff. But some, Mariners, uh, you know, uh, T-Mobile kills hits, and that's kind of where Wong is struggling the most. You know, um, so you know you've got a 32 year old on a one year deal. Like, how much are you invested in him? You may take Caballero over him. So yeah, I would like watch they... this weekend closely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because uh, he may already have that job, but we'll have a better sense of that this week. Exactly, yeah. He may already have that job. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch watch what happens against righties. Uh, Wong may be, uh, like, like, honestly, I hate to say it about it, but, like, he could be close to DFA. You know, like, this is the type of player that, uh, you know, if you're looking for offense on a team that's trying to win now and you don't have a long-term commitment, like, and and somebody that you could, like, call up to play next to Caballero or with Caballero, like, would be better than Wong, uh, that could happen. All right. And as just as a side note, uh, that's why I love uh, looking for the, the pitching streamers with the at SEA next to them because that's yeah, uh, a bad bad park for hitters uh, very good for yeah pitchers, so. seattle oh i mean oakland is the king of of, of streaming <laughs> yeah for for a variety of reasons this season yeah. <laughs> all right oh let's just God. look at three uh players uh two definitely getting some time in the outfield a third maybe going there maybe first base not sure but uh jonathan davis and michael talkman both getting regular starts in uh, center field, uh, Davis for the Marlins, Talkman for the Cubs. I mean, Davis saying regulars, maybe a, a bit of a stretch because it's just been consecutive games so far, but great results, both games, three hit games in Colorado for Davis, Talkman filling in for Cody Bellinger, then Nolan Jones getting called up on Friday. Not sure what the Rockies plans are for Jones or if he'll even play that much, but what's your level of interest in Davis, Talkman and or Jones this weekend? That's not looking good. um i thought i've watched talkman's uh sort of 175 plate appearances with the giants last year um and he had the countenance and the results and the process of someone i thought was uh like seeing his last time in the big leagues um that is going to that's going to color whatever my analysis is now. Uh, yeah. But when I do look at him, I don't see uh, any batted ball power. So um, it looks like a fill-in uh, defensive replacement type guy to me. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Jonathan Davis is he's always been a player that, you know, I would like if he could strike out less. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy, he's like one of these guys that runs fast, is – has has hit the ball hard at times, um, has a, a good idea at the plate, and yet just has this uh, wicked large strikeout rate, despite not not terrible whiff rates. Like his strikeout rates have been always been way more than his whiff rates. This year in AAA uh, for Detroit, he had a 23% strikeout rate uh, with a 258 ISO. Like you know, he's kind of shown off all those things. He's 31 at this point. What do you, what do you, like, what, why is he up? What's the corresponding move? Like, why not, is he in Miami? Yeah, I'm not sure because when I look at the, their lineups from those couple of games, that just, they've got so many players that are versatile. So they, they move Birdie around, they move, move Hampson around. Uh, so it's not necessarily that they're, you know, I mean, obviously they're, they're filling a hole with uh, Jazz Chisholm out, but in terms of just the, you know, why they brought him up now for these last two games, 
I don't know. I mean, my narrative, which might just be totally wrong, is that the Marlins love these these speedy guys with a, a little bit of power upside, and um, maybe they just want to see if he's an upgrade over Hampson. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. Uh, and uh, but Garrett Hampson wasn't uh, an everyday player. No, but again, he's kind of he and Birdie and maybe now Davis. They all kind of fill that same role, you know, moving around the diamond, uh, and stealing some bases. Hampson has gotten more plate appearances play, but... in the last week than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, he's playing every day between center, short, second, and right. Um. Man, the Marlins are so weird. Yeah. They are so deeply weird. <laughs> they really are. What is going on? Like, if I ran the Marlins, it would be Brian De La Cruz, Avisail Garcia, Jorge Soler, and Jesus Sanchez. I'd probably well, put Jazz A couple Chisholm of those guys sh- are hurt, so that's yeah. part of the Who's hurt? issue, issue too, is I'm how long is Hampson going to stay around? How long will Davis stay around? But, Who's hurt? Uh, Garcia is still on the IL. Uh, and, and Sanchez. And Sanchez, yeah, thank you. Okay. All right. Eh. Eh. I give a eh on all of them. What was the third one? Oh, uh, Nolan Jones. That Colorado. one is actually interesting to me. Um, I, I had uh, I had picked up uh, uh, Brenton Doyle as a streamer in all leagues, but Brenton Doyle uh, just got uh, blown up. I think he got hit, and they say he's going to avoid the injured list. But this Jones call-up must be related to that, don't you think? I Yeah, I absolutely think so. Uh, they released Jonathan Daza, so we don't have to worry about him anymore. Um, but uh, Grichuk, Bryant, Blackman, Profar, Jones. Yeah, I, I just wonder if Jones will see some time at first because Crone is out indefinitely, and really? uh, they've not gotten anything from Michael Talia. So he's beginning. To, he's be, he's gonna take swings soon. I think there's a. I, I would I would treat Nolan Jones as a short term streamer that has a little asterisk next to him. I mean, he could play his way onto this roster. I think. Well, that's what I thought. Maybe back in March. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I thought he would make the opening day roster, but uh, you know, Michael Togley is not playing well either, um, and so you know, CJ Crone can come back, and they say, well, we prefer Jones now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's my thinking. My my. So I think you know, he's worth. I think yes. he's worth a little uh, a little investment. You know, it's it's nice to have. It's hard actually. I've noticed it's hard to have like two or three Rockies that you can't play all the time on on your like on your roster. Uh, I think I have some places where I had like McMahon and Blackman. Um, and then I picked up Doyle and I was like, oh man, this is too much. Because in a perfect world, I would not play any of these guys on the road. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which means that's... I'm all of a sudden platooning three spots, you know, yeah. Uh, but if you don't have that many Rockies on your squad, like picking up Nolan Jones for a small number, like trying to sneak him in, uh, I think he might be worth... Uh, you know, three to six percent, maybe maybe even like eleven to thirteen percent. If you're if you're you kind of need what he what he can bring to the table because you know he does have power. Uh, he hits yeah. the ball really hard, and he's been striking out less this year. So if he p- combines those two, there's a real opportunity for a breakout in Colorado. Yeah, and Colorado that 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 helps too. Uh, and we you know it's a well timed call up because we'll have the weekend to see how they use him. 
So. Yeah, I like that better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely more helpful than a Sunday call up. The, sure. And also, the the another terrible one is like the Tuesday, the Tuesday call up where you know uh, you would like to, but he's not in the system. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, move to our pitchers of note uh, segment of the show and do something I don't think we've done all year, uh, you know, which is actually focus on a couple of pitchers who are notable because they've not been good. Um, but I, I got one request uh, from someone to talk a bit about Alec Manoa or no, actually, I'm sorry. It was the, actually the other pitcher, Graham Ashcraft. We are going to talk about Manoa, but also um Somebody had asked me a question about Ashcraft, asked if we could talk about him on the show. And this was before his last start. And I thought, you know, he's only had one really bad start. I'm going to roll with him. But then his last start was bad, too. So the bad numbers are kind of piling up for Ashcraft. I'm not exactly sure what's going on. But with Manoa or and or Ashcraft, do you see any any reason for optimism at all? No. No, I do not. Uh, no, I do not. Not with Monoa. With Ashcraft, uh, I, I like. I, I would love to start him in Pittsburgh. You know, uh, I would love to start him in Kansas City. Like, I think there are going to be times this year, this year where he's an underrated streamer. But he's a streamer for me until I see a third pitch. I think a slow curve would be really good. I think he needs to change velos. He's 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 too. It's just all hard. And, um, and with two pitches, I've just watched enough starts with his where, you know, the fourth or fifth inning, uh, he's been good for three or four innings. And then it just all blows up in the, in the fourth or fifth when they're seeing his two pitches and that's all he's got, you know? Um, so I, I think, uh, for him, uh, you know, there is still stuff there. There's still something to, to, to dream on long-term, but he really needs uh, another wrinkle or otherwise he's just going to be a really good reliever. All right, well, I'm going to throw uh, another pitcher in here who's not particularly notable this week for any reason, but when I answered this question that I got about Ashcraft, I made a comparison with Justin Steele because he's essentially a a two-pitch pitcher as well uh, who also relies on a lot of low, soft contact. And do you have similar concerns for him? Because does he have an Ashcraft type of meltdown in his future that, you know, hasn't hasn't come yet? Or is there something that maybe separates Steele out from from Ashcraft that makes him a safer play. Yeah, I guess it becomes a philosophical question of what it is to have a pitch, you know, um, you know, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, for Steele, it's uh, 96, 97% two pitches. <laughs> That's what I said, um, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I guess for me, uh, you know, part of the issue is command 
Uh, I would also say that the velo separation is different uh, for him. At least he has sort of a 10-mile-an-hour velo separation between his two pitches in steel. Um, and then lastly, he just doesn't have the same home park. Um, oh, as, that's a big difference, yeah. I, I think that's a big difference. But um, I think that I might have them closer than a lot of people. I'm not. Um, I'm, uh, I expect steel to be uh, closer to league average the rest of the way. Okay. And just to circle back to Manoa for a second, um, is there, since I took you to say that there's not really any reason for optimism, do we just have to bench him everywhere, at least in mixed leagues at this point? I mean, I would play him in Pittsburgh and at Kansas City. (laughs) I mean, uh, uh, I would play him in in, in Oakland. I I would play him in nice parks. Um, He still has an okay slider. Uh, but in terms of what I'd be watching to to get back in, um, I think it would be the horizontal movement on the slider, which is uh, down two inches off of his peak in 2021 um, and has not been moving uh, in the right direction since then. Um, I'd also be watching his weight, but that's going to be harder to, to, to change during the season. Uh, but if he came back in the spring, 20 pounds lighter with more sweep on his slider, I'd be back. I'd be back and interested in him, especially at a lower price. But this year, it just looks like one of those lost years. There's no number to point to, uh, to say, you know, I like Alec Manoa. I don't think. Yeah. I keep rolling him out there. Cause I just think this is Alec Manoa. There, there's, there's gotta be some turnaround at some point, but yeah, as we're getting I mean, to the third mark of the season, it's five it's and a half ERA, six and a half X ERA, six and a half FIP, five and, you know, six X FIP, uh, with Sierra's at five, eight. Uh, and, uh, uh, came on as BB is 4% and league average is like 14%. Be yeah, down. Not good. Yeah. Nothing. I don't, I don't, I can't point to anything. All right, well, let's uh, look at three other pitchers here who I think are notable just because of the the swing and miss they're getting, the the strikeouts, and none of the three are really very widely rostered, uh, definitely not in 12-teamers. Uh, Tanner Houck, last three starts, a 17.2% swinging strike rate against teams that aren't you know particularly pro- prolific whiffers, uh, the Phillies, the Mariners, and the Angels. Uh, Alex Fiedo, great start on Thursday. He's now in 21 and two-thirds innings, up to 22 strikeouts against just one walk. Uh, does allow a lot of fly balls and a lot of home runs. So that muddies the picture there. And JP Sears has been really good and consistent. Last five starts, a 325 ERA, a 0.98 whip. Was pulled after 59 pitches against the Mariners on Thursday. That was weird. Doesn't seem to be any kind of health issue, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's something to worry about in the future that he's not going to go deep. I think they were actually just trying to win the game. (laughs) Uh, because they brought in a righty to, to face a righty. Yeah. Sixth inning though. I don't know. It's, it didn't work. (laughs) Narrator. It didn't work. (laughs) It definitely didn't work. Cause that was Trevor Um, May, right? Came in and gave up the home run. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, so you had Fido Sears and who's the third? Uh, I'm sorry. And Hauk. And Hauk. Um, I think I like uh, Hauk the best out of all of them. Uh, he certainly has the uh, the a couple of the best pitches in that sinker and slider. Now, Hauk's problem is lefties, um, and he's throwing a, a mess slider, but uh, a mess cutter uh, this year. Um, but it's it's helped him uh, against lefties. It's a lesson in something like Graham Ashcraft, like. 
you know, to be a starting pitcher is not to optimize your stuff plus necessarily. Stuff plus tells us more about a starting pitcher, but it does not, you know, if you your job as a pitcher is not to optimize for stuff plus. And in K, in Tanner House's case, uh, this cutter, you know, ha- gives him something he can do against lefty, so he doesn't have to throw the sinker and the slider, um, which from his arm slot have traditionally uh, poor results against lefties. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the you know a, a, a sidearm sinker slider guy against a righty against lefties. It's not good. Um, and so the cutter is has helped him there. Um, Sears um, is actually my favorite overall, but he's just not going to get you wins. Like oh, it's no. just absolutely not going to happen. So uh, and if they're going to limit how deep he goes in the games, he might not even get that many Ks. So he's like a purely a you know kind of four innings with good ERA and whip and he hasn't always had the good ERA and whip. So it's like, uh, I, you know, I think, uh, I, I think right now I want Hauka these guys. Um, I, but I would say all three of these guys are in that sort of 97 to 99, uh, stuff plus where any of them could be good pitchers if the arsenal all clicks. And so I would treat them as mostly schedule dependent. There's no way that I'm throwing any of these guys, in a tough matchup. All right. Well, and on that note, how this week or this coming week would line up to uh, pitch at home against the Rays. So that's, I would assume this tough a matchup situation. situation. Yeah, I think so. All right. Uh, well, let's uh, move on to streamers and two-star pitchers. It's pretty much almost exclusively two starters. And I, f- I feel like this is probably the deepest group of two-start streaming candidates that we've seen all season. It's just really lined up, you know. So in my TGFBI, I think I'm playing six two-start pitchers this week or something. I, I don't know what is going on with the schedule. It's so strange. <laughs> yeah, no, I, it, it's funny because I yeah looked at it wasn't uh, TGFBI, but another league of mine where I saw that was like just a lot of pitchers with two starts. I'm like, ah, this is going to be great this week. And then realizing it's a head to head league. So realizing like, Oh, my opponent's probably got even more. (laughs) (laughs) So something to keep in mind uh, as you're, you're looking at your roster right now and thinking maybe you've got it, uh, got it made, but uh, I'm just going to toss out, I'm going to group it together because there's, there's just so many. So I'll start with four that three that I think are definitely kind of head and shoulders above the rest, but may be available in 12 teamers and and a fourth, I'll explain why. So Logan Allen at Baltimore at Minnesota, Michael Kopech versus the Angels at home and then at home against the Tigers, Brian Bayo uh, at home against the Reds and Rays. And then let's throw Cal Quantrill in there because he's got the same matchups, obviously, as Logan Allen. So um, any preference, ranking, first concern two. Uh, of those four? I want the first two. Oh, yeah. So you want Quantrill or uh, not Quantrill? You want um, Kopech? And okay. Allen. So what? What's the deal with with Kopech? Because he's had two brilliant starts. Um, there's a little bit. Of, there's a little bit of just uh, those are bad matchups. It was Cleveland and Royals. You know, good matchups for the pitcher. Um, and a little bit of an adjustment. He's changed his release point on his uh, on his fastball, or just he's changed his release point in general, and that's allowed him to get a little bit more wiggle on some of his secondary pitches. While retaining the same amount of ride, so uh, there's a there's a little bit of an adjustment there. And then lastly, um, I just like him because Stuff Plus has liked him all along, and it's been more about like can he put a stretch of okay command together, and that's what I think we're seeing with him. So um, I am not scared 
I'm a little bit scared of one of those. I forget. I think it's Angels or something. Yeah, I, I think so. I'll double check. But uh, the Angels could could beat them up a little bit. Yes, but Angels. I, I like the second start, and I just like the fact that you get two bites of the apple with him. And he's the highest stuff guy on that list. So, yeah, I'm going to gravitate towards that. Logan Allen, I think, is not a streamer and uh, should be owned. I, in fact, uh, like him a little better than Tanner Bybee. I'm alone on that island. Uh, but... Uh, uh, Logan Allen is a pickup anywhere that you see him available, and it doesn't even matter what his schedule is. So I think he's yeah. worth, like, if, if you're considering, like, if he's there as a streamer, I think he's worth a bigger number than you would put on streamers. So I tend to try to keep my streamers around sort of 10 uh, out of a thousand, sort of 10% at most, 10 to 13, like in there, uh, because you have to be able to buy them every week. So, you know, that's, I kind of want to almost get it under 10%, you know, like you yeah. have more than 10 weeks in the year. Uh, but Logan Allen would be worth, I think, uh, into that sort of uh, 10, 15, 16, even 20 plus percent. Uh, 20 plus? No, not percent. $20. So now we're talking 2, 3 percent. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. It, that's one of the strange things to me. Sort of like how slow Jake Berger has been to, to get rostered. Um, the fact that Logan Allen is still widely out there in 12 team leagues. Um, I'm not sure why, but I'm sure with the two start week. That's, I should clarify. Um, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm, I messed up. I, I'm always, I am, I'm, I'm an FBC guy. So it's a thousand, right? So yes, I try okay. to keep my, my streamers around 10 to 13 to 16 bucks, which is actually, you know, one to 2%. Gotcha. Okay. Which, Sometimes I'll go sense. into the low twenty, into the low twenty, so low two percent. I would say Allen would be probably worth as much as five to ten percent. I mean, he's yeah, a really good pitcher. I totally agree. And if it was a two start week, I think you could get get away with less. But yeah, I think maybe finally this week people are going to start adding him where where he should be added. So uh, let's go to sort of the the mid range here. Uh, JP France uh, versus Minnesota versus the Angels at home. Kyle Freeland on the road. Um, at, at Arizona, at Kansas City. So at least one really good matchup and venue there. Ranger Suarez. I want to stop on him for a second. He's got uh, road starts, Mets, and Nationals. He's got a 982 ERA. Probably just looks like an absolute no to most people. But his Sierra is 386. His XFIP is 315. And you just, if you break it down, you know, and you look at kind of the next level peripherals for Suarez, he looks like the same guy he's ever always been, but he's got an ERA around, you know, almost 10. So I think he, you know, in maybe not 12 teamers, but anything a little deeper, I think you could slide him in with a one to 2% bid and could, could really work out. Yeah. Except that, you know, his back, like his backstory or his, his sample before, you know, is kind of a collection of smaller sample uh, numbers that kind of look a little lucky at times. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I, I do think he's kind of a true talent, um, for low fours, ERA, high whip guy, uh, because he does let the ball in play and is kind of a ground ball guy. So, uh, you know, uh, like a four, two ERA, a one, three, five whip, uh, you know, seven and a half strikeouts per nine. Um, it's a streamer for me, I think. And, and where is matchups this week? Oh, uh, on the road which is nice. Uh, yeah. Mets and Nationals. Although Nationals, well, Nationals is a little bit tough. Yeah. Uh, it is a tough park, but at least it's not a great offense he's facing. So I right. <laughs> I like him. I like him uh, and France out of that group. Okay. Uh, France thought that he was tipping pitches in his bad start, uh, and he led the minor leagues in strikeouts uh, at some point, France did. Um, and uh, I just see uh, a a totally like an arsenal that that 
that completely works for me. Sometimes the command goes, maybe he was tipping pitches, but he really righted ship uh, in that next start against the uh, against Milwaukee. Stuff Plus says he has an above-average fastball, above-average slider, above-average curveball, and average uh, change and cutter. So it's a it's a good mix. It's a it's a wide mix. Uh, locations don't say that he's in trouble yet. So Francis actually would be a pickup for me uh, without the the two start. And so again, wow. I think worth a little bit extra, a few extra dollars uh, to reflect the fact that you might keep him on your roster next week as well. Yeah. Now you mentioned Freeland. He's got that second start at Kansas City. I mean, given the quality of this pool and another week, maybe Freeland would be somebody I would at least would think of taking a chance on, but I think there's just too much depth here. Uh, He's a guy you put $1 on at the very bottom of your list in case you you underbid everybody and you really need some starts. Yeah, I I think that's... uh, yeah, that's a great approach. Matthew Boyd versus Texas at the White Sox. I mean, at the White Sox is right now a good matchup, but um, I guess I, I don't know. Who do you prefer? I think I would actually take Freeland over Boyd this week. Who are the Boyd matchups? Uh, Rangers at home, White Sox on the road. It can get dicey and White Sox on the road, especially with a guy who's given up a lot of homers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then another pitcher here, Rich Boyd Hill. A hair. But that's so like gonna, $2 uh, on Boyd and $1 on Freeland. <laughs> <laughs> now, Rich Hill was a, a leaderboard surprise for me because I was looking at CSW for um, the month of May yesterday yeah. and actually did a little like Twitter, uh, con- not contest, but, you know, Twitter question He's for people. He's doing that kind of Adam to. Wainwright thing. He's still got the, he's still got the one elite pitch. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he really does. And, um, just to relate it back to this this uh, leaderboard scan that I did. So it's changed since yesterday because uh, Braxton Garrett pitched last night. But before that game, he was third in the majors for the month in CSW. And at the top of that leaderboard, you've got some you know widely rostered pitchers with good results. And I wanted to point that out. Rich Hill is ninth for the month in CSW. And wow. I, you know, I'm not shocked when Hill does great, but you figure he's finessing it somehow. But I mean, he's, he is. He's I mean, bats. he's dropping down to different slots, and he's doing some funky stuff. He's doing he's doing everything he can to stay in the league. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he is he is he is risky, and I can't imagine that I would uh, I would uh, just play him every week. You know, he's definitely a matchups guy. So, what are the matchups this week for him? The matchups for Rich Hill are um, at San Francisco at home against the Cardinals. Now, at San Woo! Francisco, the Giants are one of the worst home offensive teams, but that Cardinals one does And scare. the Cardinals one is tough, but he's in Pittsburgh, which suppresses uh, home runs at mm. least. So I am putting him above Freeland and Boyd. I like it. I like it. Excellent. I think a step behind, you know, I I do stream, but when I do, I, I kind of have an eye on, could I keep this guy? So uh, Hill for me is a definite streamer. And so he sits behind France who, you know, I might keep after the week is up, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my order for things. All right. Well, I'm going to add one more to start streamer. Again, it's a deep pool. So I think we're still looking at very deep leagues here, but Ryan Weathers, he has good matchups uh, at Miami home against the Cubs. Any interest in any mixed leagues there? Mm, maybe I, Push Boyd up and go three dollars Boyd, two dollars Weathers, one dollar Freeland. 
Yeah. Mm, I think I go three dollars Boyd, two dollars Freeland, one dollar Weathers. <laughs> All right, we're setting your cues for you. So. <laughs> yeah, <right>. doing the work. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to point out something here. You know, before we uh, wrap up with our streamable pitchers, we these are all the two star pitchers uh, so far that we've been talking about. Um, not all of them we've actually missed out some, but those are the, at least the ones I think are worth talking about. But there, there is some one star streaming possibilities. The uh, the Guardians are now the worst, and now I wish I had written this down. No, I did write it down. Okay, they are the worst team in the majors in WOBA for the whole season now. They've mm-hmm. gone past the A's towards the bottom. That's so amazing. the Orioles uh, have two starters uh, going against Cleveland, Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez. And then I just mentioned the thing about the uh, Giants not hitting well at home, which is a longstanding issue there with that park. And then you got uh, Kyle Bradish and Dean Kramer at San Francisco. You've got uh, Tyler Wells two-step with both of them. So that's obviously pick him up if you can, uh, if he's available anywhere. But Gibson, Rodriguez, Bradish, Kramer, anybody you like with one start there? I think with Bradish, like you, like if you're going to pick up a one-start streamer, then you really want to pick up somebody you might keep. So of yeah. those names, Bradish is the name that I might keep on my roster the most. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one of that four that I did include in the column this week. So, uh, yeah, I saw it this week. And I think way. I might have Wells above France. Uh, the matchups are slightly better for Wells than France. Yeah. Uh, he's not that available, but again, if he is available, definitely good to pick uh, pick up Wells. So. Yeah, I'm so mad about Wells, dude. Like, I do have a couple, uh, I do have a couple spots where I own him, but like, you know, I was so early on him. And then I he just like, I, I don't know what happened, man. I'd like, I should have more shares of him. I was the early guy on Wells. <laughs> like why I was I too, but everywhere. Like now I look down and like, yeah, we're not many like leagues two together. Or three so, shares, uh, two or three shares of Tyler Wells. I feel like I should have all of the shares of Tyler Wells. I know it bums me out when I see somebody else that has them, but <laughs> it's good to share, I guess. Me. Yeah. <laughs> good to share. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, uh, as we already got a nice note here, let's uh, talk about the closer corner. I don't think there's much to talk about here. You know, uh, Yanir Cano got his fourth save of the season against the Yankees on Thursday, uh, but Felix Bautista pitched on both Tuesday and Wednesday. So I think nothing to see there. Giovanni Gallegos got his fifth save at Cincinnati. Maybe Helsley was resting. I'm not so sure about that one. And then you got the Arizona situation that seems to be a... a oh, Helsley uh, is not being used really on back-to-back. Okay. So Gallegos well, is going to end up with 10, 10, 15 saves on the year. He's a viable ale only, you know, he's a, actually he's a viable pickup in any league because he's going to have pretty good ratios and he's going to give you 10 saves and, you know, it's just, that's how they're doing things. All right. Well, there you go. Um, I would say uh, one name is uh, Garrett Acton. I know he, I think he walked in the winning run uh, in a game recently, but that just proves that they're willing to use him in high leverage. And so if there ever is a save in Oakland, the next one might go to Garrett Acton. All right. So name to, to tuck away. And I, did I, am I remembering this right? You know that your guy, Jeremiah Estrada is up now. He's up. uh, And that is exciting because Mark Leiter has terrible stuff numbers. And if you just look at his pitches, like just the movements and velos, I don't think that's a closer, dude. He throws 91 and a half. (laughs) There are not many closers that throw 92, you know, like, so I I don't think that's going to last long. Albert Alzale, though, uh, is is also in that mix. So, um, you know, Alzale might get the first shot. And then uh, I have no idea what is happening in Arizona 
Um, but I have to think that Kevin Ginkle might get the next shot just because he's been the steadiest and he has the best stuff. He's cleared up the tipping problem he had early in the season. Um, and, uh, they keep trying different guys. They tried a guy. I wasn't even on my radar to try and close out a game recently. And he just predictably kind of gave it up. Jose Rivas or something. So, uh, they've still got Carlos Vargas in the minors. They've got two guys, in the minors with big stuff and no command. Those guys could come up and be the the closer. I don't think McGough is the closer because he just doesn't have the stuff. He's been an yeah. okay setup guy for them. So uh, if you're prospecting for saves, Ginkle is a guy that I would put on your on your thread, your list. All right. Well, here I was uh, selling the short, the segment, saying there was nothing, and you gave us three or four names to, uh, yeah. to tuck away. So that's good. <laughs> good stuff there. So... Uh, All right, well, before we sign off here for the weekend, uh, just a reminder that you can subscribe to The Athletic for just $2 a month for your first year. Just go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels and uh, check out that great deal. Uh, You can find Eno's work there, uh, my weekly uh, column on the the waiver wire and uh, all all kinds of great stuff there uh, for fantasy and and for everything else. So uh, again, that's theathletic.com slash rates and barrels so you know thank you so much and uh hope everybody has a great long weekend so uh, the show will be back next week dvr will be back uh but until then everybody uh take care and have a good one thanks for listening As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.